Good morning and welcome again. We're glad that you're here today. We're going to be looking, as was read a moment ago, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, and we are going to focus on verse 4. Psalm 23, 4. We appreciate so much your presence today. We hope that our worship service will bless you. We're very grateful for the opportunity to be together. We're thankful for the songs that we've been privileged to sing, the prayers that have been offered, and the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper and give of our means. I want to call attention to Psalm 23, verse 4. We've been talking about things that rob us of the peace that passes all understanding. And there are a number of things that sometimes will rob us of that inward peace and joy that we ought to have in Christ. One of the things that robs us of peace is the fear of death. In the book of Job in chapter 18, verse 14, Bildad, one of the friends of Job, described death as the king of terrors. The apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, spoke of death as an enemy. And then the Hebrew writer in chapter 2 speaks of those who through the fear of death. Many people are afraid of death. And I can understand why those of us who live in this world are afraid to die. One of the reasons why we fear death is because it's uncharted waters. We've never died. And yet the Bible tells us plainly that death is a reality. So what I want us to do is look at death from a positive perspective, if there is a positive perspective. Many folks don't like to talk about death. Many of us don't like to think about it. And yet the Bible speaks in a very candid way about death. And so what does the Bible have to say? Should we look at death through the lens of fear or faith? I want to begin today by first of all talking about the Christian view of death. I'm not talking today about people who are in the world, but rather I'm talking about those of us who belong to the body of Christ, those of us who are Christians. How should we, how should we view death? What attitude should we demonstrate? Let me begin by, first of all, talking about the fact that death is profound. As a matter of fact, it is a profound fact. Now, you might ask the question, why is it such a profound fact? Because it is universal. The Bible tells us it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this cometh the judgment. There is a statistic about death I want to share with you. The statistic is this, one out of one people die. Unless Jesus comes, you're going to die. So the bottom line is, this is something that all of us will face. The Bible talks a lot about death and the vantage point that we should have about death. The psalmist asked the question many, many years ago, 
What man shall live and not see death? He asked really a profound question. Who can live and not die? Well, the answer is no one. He would also say, I see that my time is short. Life is, as James said, compared to a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So, first, it is universal. Secondly, it's uncertain. David said many years ago, there is but a step between death and me. David here acknowledging the obvious, that just as we live, we shall die. We do not know when we will die. I have no idea when I will die. I don't know where I will die. I don't even know from what I will die. But I do know I'll die unless Jesus comes first. And so it's uncertain. We just don't know when we're going to die. So there is this profound fact that's related to death. And then there's a second thing. The personal aspect of death. It is a profound fact. It is a personal fact. How do I know that? Well, listen to David. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then listen to him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David here acknowledging, again, the obvious. Accepting the fact that death is a reality. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You see, all of us will one day walk that corridor. The means by which we get from this life to the next life is death. Have you accepted that fact? Have you accepted the reality that you're not going to be here forever? So first, there is this Christian view of death. The Christian realizes death is a reality. But what about the Christian valor in death? I want you to listen to what David said in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the, of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Did you know that there can be no valleys without mountains. David here talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to see something here. Go back and look at Psalm 22 for a moment. Because couched between two chapters, we have what might best be described as mountain peaks. In chapter 22, David speaks of the crucifixion of Christ. In chapter 24, the coronation of Christ. So you have two mountain top texts, and then here in the middle, a valley text. Did you know that in Psalm 22, when David asked the question, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
This passage, prophetic of Christ's death on Calvary. Jesus was forsaken by God so that we might be forgiven by God. Is that not a mountain text? You think about the numerous prophecies revealed in chapter 22 about the crucifixion of Christ. And you step back and you think about what the Lord has done for us. The Bible speaks of Jesus as the good shepherd. And what the Bible tells us is the good shepherd came for us, didn't he? You remember John 10, verse 10, I've come that you might have life, have it more abundantly. In verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Psalm 22 pictures the good shepherd coming for us. In other words, he came for us, didn't he? Jesus came so that we might enjoy the blessings of forgiveness. A moment ago, we partook of the Lord's Supper, reminding ourselves of the body given for us. The fact that Jesus gave his body on Calvary. Peter said he bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we being dead unto sin might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. And then I think about the cup reminding us of the blood shed. Zechariah talks about that day when a fountain would be opened. That fountain is a reference to the blood of Christ shed on Calvary for our sins. That's why Paul could say, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. So here we have the Good Shepherd who came for us. Now, Look over in chapter 24 very quickly. In chapter 24, here is a prophecy of the resurrected Christ. And He is about to ascend to heaven. And we talk about the coronation of the Christ. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so in verse 7 of chapter 24, we have a picture of Jesus ascending to heaven where ultimately he would be seated at the right hand of the Father. And so in verse 7 he said, Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. That is a reference to Jesus ascending to heaven. And so we talk about in chapter 22, the crucifixion of the Christ. Chapter 24, we have the coronation of the Christ. Chapter 22 presents for us the good shepherd who came for us. Chapter 24, and in light of the New Testament, we have a picture of the chief shepherd who will come for us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, Peter talks about the chief shepherd who will appear. You see, the fact of the matter is, one day the Lord Jesus will come. And He will come for us. Paul, in writing to the church at Thessalonica, sought to encourage those who had lost loved ones in Christ. And he said, That you sorrow not, even as others, listen to him, who have no hope. Those who are in the world, they don't have any hope. 
Not so with a child of God. We have hope. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes, he, he will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. So you think about the Lord Jesus coming for us. So you have these two mountaintop texts and then couched between these two mountains, the valley of the shadow of death. That's why when you look at Psalm 23, you need to understand there can be no valleys without mountains. Death is an enemy. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, the last enemy that will be destroyed, listen to him, is death. Death will not reign over the human family forever, will it? So, we talk about the Christian view of death. The Christian valor in death. And I believe that we ought to be able to face death with courage and bravery. Recognizing that death is not the end. A lot of people, as said a moment ago, a lot of folks fear death. A lot of people are terrified about dying. And yet, the truth of the matter is, in Christ, we don't have to be afraid. So go back with me again and look at Psalm 23. Let's just talk for a moment or two about the Christian victory over death. You see, from a child of God's perspective, death is not the end. Death is not to be viewed negatively, pessimistically, but rather with a spirit of optimism. We ought to be positive. We ought to be confident. I want you to listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He said, for to me to live is Christ. In other words, Paul's saying, for me, what this life represents is service to Christ. You look at the life of the Apostle Paul and you see his whole life was wrapped up in one person. That's the Lord. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, he said, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. There's that idea, the chief shepherd who will appear, who will come for us. Paul lived for Christ. And so, he said, For to me to live is Christ, but to die is what? Gain. In verse 23, he said, to depart and be with Christ, listen to him, is far better. You mean to tell me that as a child of God, if I die, it's gain. That's what I'm saying. You mean to tell me to depart and be with Christ is far better. That's what Paul said. Well, how's that the case? How is it the case that as a child of God, to die in Christ is gain. Let me just share with you some things. First, it is gain physically. Do you ever hurt in this life? Do you have aches and pains? Do you have some type of illness or disease? Do you have sorrow in your life? Is your heart broken? 
Are there things that are weighing heavily upon your life? You might answer yes to any one of those questions. You might answer yes to all of those questions. But you have to understand that physically in this life, we face a mountain of burdens. What Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. You see, in this veil of tears, this body that I possess is a mortal body. It is a corruptible body. In other words, it's not going to last forever. Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. And yet to understand that when I die, I will one day have an incorruptible body, an immortal body. Well, what about those who die in Christ? What's the gain, physically speaking? Well, Paul said that when Christ comes again, he will transform our lowly body that it might be conformed like unto his glorious body, whereby he is able to subdue all things even unto himself in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. John said in 1 John chapter 3, We are now the children of God. It has not been revealed what we shall be. But when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Think about this. We will have a new body. And John said in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Listen to him. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, nor any more pain, for these former things are passed away. So why is it a gain to the child of God to die? Because I don't have to suffer anymore. I don't have to hurt anymore. I don't have to experience death anymore. Would you say that's a profit or a loss? I'd put that in the profit column, wouldn't you? I'd say that's gain. There is a second reason why it is gain to the Christian. And that is spiritually speaking. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 27, John said, speaking of the new Jerusalem, the holy city that he said he saw coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. In chapter 21, verse 27, he said, speaking of that heavenly city, that nothing would enter into it that causes abomination, that defiles or is a lie. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now I want you to think about this. In this world, what do we see? We see a world filled with sin and unrighteousness, don't we? Look at Memphis, Tennessee. You talk about the problems with drugs, the problem with alcohol, the problem of violence, murder, etc. The list could go on and on and on. And then we talk about living in this world around people who live godless lives and yet to think that in heaven we're not going to be around that. You might live next door to a drug dealer. You won't live next door to a drug dealer in heaven. Furthermore, you will never again have to battle that arch enemy called the devil. Why? Because the devil's going to be cast into the lake of fire which burns forever and ever. 
So spiritually speaking, we're beyond that realm. We don't have to live around ungodly people. We're not tempted to engage in ungodly practices. So that is gain, yes. There is a third thing. We talk about the Christian gain. Physically, spiritually, and then thirdly, socially. What do you mean socially? When we get to heaven, who will we be with? In Revelation chapter 22, the picture is of God sitting upon His throne and the Lamb and His servants. A week ago, a friend of mine, Brother Garland Elkins, passed away. Totally unexpected. Even though he was 90 years of age, Brother Elkins and I had done a lot of work together back in the 90s. We did a television program together, and then we did another program together in the last few years. I had no idea that we had done 75 programs together just recently. Brother Elkins had been battling cancer. And the doctor told him, the Thursday before he died in the early morning hours of Friday, that he would be weak from the treatment that he was receiving. He'd be down for a couple of weeks, but he would be back up preaching again. At 2.45 in the morning on Friday, he stepped out into eternity. And I thought about that. And I could just picture in my mind, Brother Elkins stepping out into eternity and there to meet him, the Lord and his family members, his mother and father, brothers and sisters, in the flesh and in Christ, all of the preachers that he used to associate with that have gone on. And I could just hear the Lord saying, when Brother Elkins made that transition, Garland, welcome home. To be home with the people of God and to be there forevermore. It's a wonderful thought. And so, I think about the relationships that we have here and the relationships that we will have there. One final thing, and that is, death is gained, is gained emotionally. What do I mean, death is gained emotionally? I want you to think about this. Why are we here today? Why do we serve God? Why, do, why is it that we're trying to live a Christian life? Because we want to go home and be with God one day, don't we? Because emotionally, what we're saying is, there is a better place than right here. Think about the Apostle Paul. Paul knew death was imminent, didn't he? Remember what he said? The time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being offered. He said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. I've finished my course. He said, henceforth there is later for me the crown of righteousness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, he said, we know 
that if the earthly house of our tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. When Paul stepped out into eternity and was met by the Lord Jesus Christ, do you think it was a surprise? Do you think that was an accident? No, I don't think so. It was exactly what Paul had been living for. And emotionally, to know on that other side, look, I've made it home, I'm here. Here forevermore. I mentioned Brother Elkins a moment ago. They transported his body to Woodbury, Tennessee, early Tuesday morning. Burial was at 11 a.m. Two of the funeral directors that had a part in transporting his body, members of the body of Christ. One drove the hearse, and the other drove the van. And so, as they left out early in the morning, Tuesday, about 5, 5.30 in the morning, and they're making their way down I-40, headed east, the fellow in the van took a picture of the hearse in front of him. And that hearse was a white Cadillac. And as they were traveling down I-40, the sun was just beginning to rise. And the caption was, headed home, headed home. One day we're going home. We don't have to fear death. I got a lot of folks over on the other side. Folks I hadn't seen in a long time. But you know what? I plan to see them again. As a child of God, a lot of things rob us of peace. One of which is the fear of death. And what, what David is saying is, we don't have to fear death. Because first, there is the presence of the shepherd and the promises of the shepherd. I want you to listen to me again, very quickly. In Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3, David is speaking about the shepherd, isn't he? Listen to him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's talking about the shepherd, isn't he? Now listen to verse 4. There's a change. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He's now talking to the shepherd, isn't he? He's saying, look, Lord, when I go down into the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid. Why? Because I know you're with me. Luke 16, 22, when Lazarus died, the Bible says the angels of God bore his spirit over into the Hadean realm, a place called paradise. You don't have to be afraid. Because number one, the Lord is your shepherd. And the Lord will be with you. We have his presence and his promises. John wrote many, many years ago, blessed are the dead, Dying the Lord, yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. The psalmist said, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So, my encouragement to us don't be afraid. 
death can be viewed as gain. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, and your life is not what it ought to be, and you realize you're not on track to make it to heaven, I would encourage you to come to Christ believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins. And the Lord said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot come. And then to repent, just like Peter commanded on Pentecost Day. The Bible says then we have the opportunity to verbalize our faith that Jesus is the Son of God. Be immersed in water so that all of our sins might be washed away. Acts twenty two sixteen. If we'll do that, God will add us to the church, and if we're faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. If you're here today and maybe your life is not faithful, and you realize you're living without the shepherd in your life, look, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you, and God will abundantly pardon. 1 John 1, 9. Won't you come as we stand and sing?